hello and welcome to the Raising Tomorrow pod where we get candid about the joys and struggles of motherhood um, and navigating and raising tomorrow's generation in this crazy world. We are your hosts, Rachel O and Rachel S. Um, Rachel S and I actually played volleyball in high school together. So that's how we know each other. And we kind of recently reconnected. Um, We actually hadn't talked in like 10 years since high school, which is crazy to think about. And we kind of just reconnected about motherhood. I think I had like posted something on TikTok where I kind of like talked about motherhood a little bit and she like commented on it. And I had had this idea for a long time of starting a motherhood podcast and was kind of like trying to think about who might want to join it with me. And just when she like commented on my TikTok post, I thought, hmm, I wonder if she might be interested. So I messaged her on Instagram and here we are. So basically like our mission for this podcast is kind of to create like a safe space for mothers to just like get candid about the different struggles that motherhood brings, especially as brand new mothers. And kind of just be open and honest about things that we feel and go through as new moms because motherhood can be really isolating and you kind of don't realize until you do have those open, honest conversations with other moms that we all kind of experience really similar things. All of our journeys are extremely unique and very different and every baby's different, but we all have very similar feelings. So we kind of wanted to create a place where we could talk about those feelings and those experiences and kind of let other moms hopefully relate and share their stories too. So that's kind of our our mission here. And then in this generation that we're living in, it's, it's a really tough spot to be in for raising kids as well. There's, you know, the whole, like our parents' generation and their influence on how we raise our kids and them kind of expecting us to do things the way they did and us kind of wanting to improve from previous generations. And so that's kind of where the Raising Tomorrow name came from because we also just want to kind of talk about how to make the world a better place for the next generation. So that's kind of our mission statement and our goal here. And today we're actually going to focus on Rachel S's birth story and pregnancy journey. So she's going to kind of share a little bit about that and that's going to be our first episode. But first, let's kind of do some little introductions so you can get to know us a little bit better. So I'm Rachel O. I am 27. And I have a about 10 and a half month old baby girl. And I've been with my husband for seven years, about seven years. And we've only been married for a little over a year. Um, So got married somewhat recently. And then I wanted to say like a fun fact about myself, but I played college volleyball. (laughs) Better than I did. So (laughs) you made it further with that. Barely. I I wouldn't call it too much further. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm Rachel S. Um, I have a daughter. She's about nine and a half months old. Um, So Rachel and I had daughters pretty close together. I'm married, been with my husband for almost 14 years now, which is crazy. Long time. (laughs) Yeah. And we've been married for, it'll be three years in April. Fun fact about myself. I have a math degree which is very nerdy and exciting to me and a master's (laughs) degree in data science but I work as a data scientist currently oh yes that actually I'm glad you brought that up that actually reminded me yeah I so I'm a nurse um but I've actually been a stay-at-home mom since my daughter was born kind of trying to navigate going back to work still but yes I'm a stay-at-home mom (laughs) perfect so I guess with that I'll just kind of go ahead and jump in. I just want to make sure we 
we issue a quick trigger warning um, just before you begin. Um, Rachel's yeah. going to be talking a little bit about pregnancy loss. Um, so just want to issue a quick trigger warning there. So my husband and I got married in April. Um, in October, I found out I was pregnant. So I had been on birth control for a very long time. Um, I was on the pill. I kind of figured it would take me a very long time to get pregnant. Did not really expect it to happen that quickly after I got off. I got off birth control in, I believe, August, and I was pregnant by, I guess, September because I found out in October. So I was about two months pregnant at the time when I found out, maybe six weeks, and we're so excited, you know, got the whole family involved, told everybody right away, and you just kind of start making these plans in your head about being a mom, being a mother, how great of a dad your husband's going to be. And everything was going great. We had heard the heartbeat. We went in for a regular 10-week ultrasound and unfortunately found out that there was no heartbeat. I think the baby had only developed about to nine and a half weeks. So it was what's called a missed miscarriage. Like I didn't bleed at all. There was no signs, no cramping. I thought everything was fine. And I just went in for a doctor's appointment. And obviously everything was not fine. Um, so that was super hard for my husband and I, obviously, as it would be hard for anybody. But going through that process and like this loss, I kind of discovered that it's much more common than I had originally thought. Like, you know, it was here of like people have miscarriages all the time, but even in my close circle, I didn't realize how common it was. I have family members who have gone through miscarriage and pregnancy loss and fertility issues and friends from high school and that sort of thing. So you're kind of a part of this club that you don't want to be a part of, um, but it's a rather large club, which is good when you're in need of support. Yeah. It was kind of an eye-opener that, like, there's all these people you can lean on. I actually started therapy for myself after I'd gone through the miscarriage because I just, it was all I could think about. I was like, what did I do wrong? How did I cause this? What could I have done differently? And, like, you know, because as soon as you get pregnant, you start having all these plans, and then it's just gone. Mm -hmm. And your life is just supposed to go back to normal, and you're, like, supposed to move on with your life. So it was really tough for me, and obviously my husband as well, but I think it's definitely harder for the mother to go through that and like have their body experience that but ended up going through therapy decided we wanted to try again relatively soon after the miscarriage so I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter about four months after the miscarriage I think but I had a really hard time enjoying my pregnancy I was so nervous the entire time I wouldn't let my thoughts wander to having like these ideas of having a family I did not want to get excited I just was I had this wall up in my brain that like this wasn't going to come to fruition. I wasn't actually going to have a child, at least not this go around. So my first whole trimester was really full of anxiety and stress. And I stopped exercising. I stopped running. I used to run a lot. I stopped running completely and kind of just my mental health went down. I would say I wasn't doing anything for myself. So I never really got to enjoy my pregnancy. It wasn't until I was probably close to 25 weeks that I'd had kind of accepted like, okay, this is actually going to happen. So I started getting the nursery ready, started getting everything ready. My whole pregnancy, I had ultrasounds about every two weeks with my doctor. She had put me on progesterone for my whole first trimester just to kind of aid in things. If that was the problem, it might not have even been a problem. It just made me feel better to be on something that could be aiding and helping this pregnancy along. I had ultrasounds with my doctor every two weeks. And in between those appointments, I paid for third-party ultrasounds because I was just so stressed and anxious. And I wanted to make sure she was okay. Even when we found, like, you can do blood work for the gender super early now. I think it's like 10 weeks or something. Mm-hmm. We took that test and I didn't, we didn't open them until I was about 16 weeks because I did not want to know the gender until I was somewhat out of the woods. 
Oh my gosh. Because I just feel like if we were to have another miscarriage, knowing the gender would make it that much harder. Instead of like more real. Yeah. Instead of I just lost a baby, it's I lost a son, I lost a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So I just feel like every step of my pregnancy was kind of hindered like that. And I never got to experience the joys of like when she kicked for the first time, I started stressing about is she kicking enough? Is she kicking too much? Mm. It's just like every little thing stressed me out. (laughs) I almost found myself feeling guilty about being anxious. You know, obviously anxiety is probably not good for your baby. Mm, Yeah. So it was just this roller coaster of emotions my entire pregnancy. I had a really hard time with it. On the outside, you know, obviously you're trying to look excited for everybody else. They're all excited. You post your Instagram post with your announcement. Mm -hmm. And that sort of thing was just very surface level for me, I would say. Like, I didn't accept that I had a child until she was in my arms the day she was born. So all that being said, like I said, it's a large club that you don't want to be a part of, but I think the support system that I had was super important to just even like make it through my pregnancy and not almost be in a depressed state. You know, I still had to work. I still had to be with my family and hang out with the friends and that sort of thing. So I had a really good support system through both my family and my husband's family. And then a couple of friends from high school who had been through something similar. I was constantly texting them and kind of just like relaying my feelings and having somebody that had been through the same thing. My sister-in-law also helped me a ton. So I just think when you need the support, find it and lean on it. Ask for it. Yeah, ask for it. Lean on that super heavily. You're not alone in this at all, even if you kind of wish you were, if that makes sense. Like you don't want other people to go through this, but to have other people have been through it helps so much. So that was kind of how my whole pregnancy went. And before, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, um, you're totally fine. I just want to say like, cause I know you're going to talk about your birth story also and like labor and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of want to like ask you a few questions if you don't mind before we move on to like that part of it. And you might've said this already, so forgive me. So, so when you went to therapy for the miscarriage, was that before you guys started trying for your second pregnancy? Yes. So okay, I specifically looked for a therapist who specialized in child loss, miscarriages, fertility issues. Okay. And I started with her, I want to say within like two weeks of having the miscarriage, because it was just consuming my thoughts, this trauma that we had gone through. Like yeah. I could not function without it being in the back of my brain, without like breaking down and crying every two seconds, which I know is like valid and give yourself grace and time to process. Of course, yeah. But I needed to get out of this like headspace. So yeah, I started with her yeah. pretty quickly okay and I wanted to say like I really commend you for doing that because I think a lot of people are really hesitant to do therapy just in general I feel like obviously the conversation about mental health is getting a lot more normalized um but I think there is still some stigma behind it and I think Mm -hmm. people do still feel hesitant to like go to therapy Um, so the fact that you just like jumped on that right away like that's really commendable because I think it would be hard for anyone especially that soon after you went through something that difficult to just be like no I've got to like get on top of this and that's like amazing honestly I feel like I would I appreciate that (laughs) yeah no seriously I I think I would have sulked for like a long time before just yeah I don't think I would have been like strong enough to be like no I'm gonna get on top of this right away um Mm -hmm. so that's incredible and how how long did it take like once you started going through the therapy like obviously you're never like going to fully heal from it and stuff like it's still gonna be Mm -hmm. something that you struggle with at times I'm sure but how long did it take for you to kind of feel okay and like in just like a better state yeah so honestly 
So one of my like homework assignments from the therapist was to write a letter to the unborn baby. So I did that very healing, but also very like triggering. But I think I didn't start moving on until I was pregnant again. But even then, I was like obviously excited about the new pregnancy, but I almost felt guilty being pregnant like we were forgetting about the unborn child. Oh. So like on one hand, you're super excited, but on the other hand, I just had this extreme guilt. Like I didn't want it to seem like I was moving on too quickly. So in writing that letter, it was kind of just like, we love you. We'll always love you. We'll always miss you. You're always our first child. Please watch over us and like your brother or sister, because at the time we didn't know um, what my daughter was going to be. Yeah. So that I think that was the real closure. I was super nervous about my first due date coming up, like how I would feel when that due date rolled around. And I mm-hmm. think being pregnant made it so much easier on me than it would have been if I wasn't. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The the letter. That's just like such a beautiful, but also like you said, like I would imagine that it would probably have been a little traumatizing too to write that just because mm-hmm. it's like you're talking to this baby that you expected to have. I just, I can't even imagine how like difficult that must have been. But also, like you said, I could see it being healing as well. Yeah. But oh my gosh, that's, and and it's a beautiful uh, I would guess you probably like saved it. And that's something yeah. that you can have. You can show your daughter someday if you want to, of course. But wow, that's the amount that you've been through and like, being able to get through your second pregnancy after that happened. And of course, I'll talk about this more when I share my story. But in general, I struggle a lot with anxiety, just even like before motherhood and stuff. So I'm just mm-hmm. like imagining myself going through the same thing and like having that level of anxiety from having the previous loss I just I just feel for you so much because I'm like anxiety is just like very Mm all-consuming and for you to not be able to really like enjoy your second pregnancy because of that it's just like it's just awful but again I like commend you so much for doing the therapy especially so quickly and I'm glad that it help of course again it's never anything that's like gonna ever go away completely but I'm glad that you like took steps to kind of help yourself get out of that and everything because that's an easy thing to like spiral from too yeah I was gonna mention that I I didn't even realize that they had like therapists specifically for pregnancy loss um Mm -hmm. and child loss that's it's really good too I think for our viewers to know just if anyone's out there that is also experiencing that or has experienced that that's really good to know that that there's specialists because it is a very specific type of grief and Mm -hmm. I'm sure just like the letter that she had you wrote there's probably very specific things that you can do to help that you wouldn't do for like another type of trauma or grief so that's really really um informative to know I had no idea oh I was also just going to kind of comment I don't know obviously you can't really say like how you would have felt if it had gone differently because you don't know but with like not having any symptoms of the miscarriage. Do you feel like that might have almost made it worse just because you didn't have any like warning signs and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden it's just like, yeah. I don't know that it made the miscarriage worse. It made my second pregnancy worse. Mm. Because I I don't know what to look out for. I it could happen again and I wouldn't even know. But I actually forgot to mention we lived off of the baby Doppler. You know, at like 13 weeks you can start listening to them at home mm-hmm. every single night we had to listen to her. That was like our security blanket was being able to hear her. So for me personally, like my advice to anybody going through something similar is have a crutch if you need it. If it's not harming anybody, if it makes you feel better, use it. Do whatever you have to do to kind of get yourself through, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just going to say, like, even if I feel like, especially as a first time mom, like it's totally normal to have those worries and concerns, even if you haven't been through like a pregnancy loss, but going through a pregnancy loss amplifies it even more. So like, don't ever feel bad for, like Mm -hmm. you said, going through those extra steps to kind of reassure yourself. Um, yeah, totally, completely understandable and justified and valid. Cause yeah, I, I feel like it's like you said, if it's not harming anything and it's not harming anyone else, I don't know how it would Mm -hmm. anyway, but if it, if it just puts your mind at ease, then it puts your mind at ease. You know, that's all, that's all you need to know. And like you said, anxiety in itself and stress is also not good for pregnancy, not just for the baby, but just for yourself, you know, your Mm -hmm. body's already under so much stress. And then if there's something that you can do to like put your mind at ease and kind of ease some of that anxiety and stress, that's amazing. So I'm glad that you were like able to find things that kind of helped you get through it, even though it it sucks that you had to do that, you know, because I'm sure that Mm -hmm. was stressful, like feeling like every night you had to go do that. I'm sure it was like another extra thing, but feel free to continue. But on to happier times, towards the end of my pregnancy, I was convinced that I was going to go past 40 weeks. I was not dilating at all. And I was like, I'm going to go past my due date. I really don't want to be induced. I'm going to let her do whatever she wants to do, come whenever she wants within reason. But so I was like, I'm totally fine. I don't need to pack my hospital bag yet. So we ended up going to Top Golf with our families and just like having a family day, going to Top Golf, going out to dinner. And I had packed the hospital bag the night before. And as soon as we got home from Top Golf, my husband finally put his things, you know, always last minute. Um so he they just had throw a couple things in a bag. <laughs> a pair of underwear, maybe a toothbrush, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> So he had packed the snakes and I was laying in bed. I was like, I'm like really cramping. And I thought nothing of it. I was like, ugh, she's just like moving around, whatever. Can't be anything serious. So I was like, I'm going to take a shower, try and relieve some of this pain. So I started timing them and it said, go to the hospital. I was like, no way. I was like, there was nothing. I'm fine. I'm just going to take a shower, go back to sleep. And I took a shower and I noticed I was bleeding. So I was like, oh no. (laughs) Immediately started spiraling. I was like, okay, we've made it this far and now it's not going to happen. I'm just praying and praying that she was okay. So I called the on-call doctor. I was like, hey, should I come in? I'm bleeding. It's not like heavy or anything, but immediately panicking. She said, yeah, since you're kind of unsure, why don't you head to the hospital? We'll check you out. I was 38 weeks and six days. Went to the hospital and they're like, yeah, you're in labor, dude. And I was like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? My mom happened to be on vacation in California. So of course I was like, not very happy about that. <laughs> oh, geez. So she flew on the next flight to get back. We arrived at the hospital at, I think, like 1030 that night. And we got admitted. I was dilated like two centimeters, I think, which I didn't even think they would let me stay. I thought they were going to send me home for sure. But they admitted me and they're like, yes, you're in active labor. And meanwhile, I'm having these contractions, which I really thought were just cramped. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I was like, There's no way this is actually labor. It's got to be way worse. You know, there's like people screaming in the movies. Um, (laughs) And I was like, this is like not that bad. So Mm -hmm. I was laying in bed and I asked my nurse, I was like, how much worse does it get? Can I do this without an epidural? Because I wasn't really set either way on getting one or not getting one. But if it had remained like that, I was like, I can do this. And then she's like, I've never given birth without one, first of all. So I was like, okay, you're not a great source of information for me. (laughs) And I just hear the lady next door to me screaming. And she's like, she didn't get an epidural. (laughs) So I was like, okay, let's go. I'll I'll take the epidural, please. Um, (laughs) 
I still don't know if I would have been able to handle it. I might have. I don't regret getting my epidural because, you know, after that, everything's smooth sailing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you remember how far along you were when you when you like decided, OK, it's time for the epidural? I think I was about four centimeters and I think they gave it to me at about one in the morning. So okay. I'd been at the hospital for like two and a half, three hours. And I knew if I had gone much further and didn't decide to get one, I probably wouldn't be able to get one. So, so you were smart made, about it. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to miss this boat and end up being traumatized from a birth that I could have had pretty much pain-free. So I got the epidural and I stayed at four centimeters for probably like six hours. But you know, I was like chilling. I wasn't in pain. She wasn't in distress. Her heart rate was good. But they're like, you're just not progressing. So they ended up giving me some Pitocin. And I know they use Pitocin to induce you. I -hmm. didn't know if you were in active labor, they would give it to you to like speed things up. And I almost wish I had asked more questions about it. Like if she's not in distress, why do I need to speed things up? So I think that's a takeaway for me is to kind of just advocate more for myself, ask questions if I'm not sure and not just kind of accept what the nurses, not that I don't, obviously nurses and doctors are great, but I want to know why we're doing certain things. 100% before you like move on again before I forget I'm glad that you mentioned like advocating for yourself because like as a nurse I don't find it first of all I don't find it like rude or disrespectful at all that you would say like I wouldn't want to just go with what the (laughs) yeah no that's like because first of all as much as we obviously want to believe that like all doctors and nurses have pure intentions um that's not necessarily always the case um for one so you you always want to advocate your, for yourself anytime you're a patient mm-hmm. and and two like even if you do have like the best doctor and nurse possible it's still so important for you as a patient to like understand what's going on with your own body and and have a say in it like no one has to just go along with what the doctors or nurses says but i think it's really hard like even as a nurse, when I'm a patient, it's still like really hard for me to even like speak up for myself and say like, hey, like I'm not really sure if that's what I want or hey, I still have Mm -hmm. some more questions about that. And it's weird because you would think with me being in healthcare, you would think that I would feel totally comfortable doing that. But it's Mm -hmm. just such a different experience when you're the patient. And I was just going to say on that note too, when I was in nursing school, when we did our OB rounds, we actually watched this movie I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Business of Being Born. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Okay. So we actually had to watch it in nursing school because I think our professor just kind of wanted us to like, as the nurses, she wanted us to like see how some patients feel when these like interventions are done. And it basically talks about that very thing that you're saying where interventions that aren't always necessary are kind of being pushed onto moms. And especially if you're like a first time mom and you've never been through this before, you don't really know that it's not necessary. And you just kind of go along with it because you're like, oh, well, if the doctors and nurses are telling me that that's what needs to be done, then that must be what needs to be done. And again, not that this is always the case, but there, there's some extreme cases too, where like doctors would push for Pitocin and stuff like that, because they're trying to like free a hospital bed and they're trying to like get you out of there unfortunately. Um, And obviously that's like an extreme case and that's not always 
the situation. But I just kind of wanted to add that in there because that really is like so important to advocate for yourself. And it's something that I, again, need to work on myself too, even as someone who's in healthcare. Um, you also like don't want your nurse or doctor to feel like you don't trust them because that's right. kind of like an awkward position to be in. But no, I just wanted to say that I think that's a really, really good message to any like new mother or any mom in general. Um, very, very important to advocate for yourself. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. And I think me personally, for my next pregnancy, I will be looking into a doula to help me okay. advocate for myself, most likely. Yeah, that's smart. But anyways, uh, my water never broke on its own. They had to break my water. And at, I think about maybe one o'clock the next day, they told me to start practicing pushes, whatever. I was like, okay, it's, it's go time, my dudes. So <laughs> I think it was like maybe five minutes of pushing. And homegirl came oh my God. flying out of there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So she was born at 1.26 PM, six pounds, seven ounces. Not a super small kid, not a giant kid by any means, but overall just like very easy labor, super painless almost. Like I didn't tear. Oh, awesome. Everything went super smoothly, I would say. So everybody who's like, oh, how was your labor? I was like, it's fine. What do you, I, don't, I don't know what all these people are freaking out about. <laughs> you guys are just wusses. Yeah. But the moment I held her, just like the biggest sense of relief, like in the entire world, Aww. like immediate tears. I, I'm sure every mom, immediate tears as soon as they hold their baby for the first time. Yeah. And then of course my doctor's like, I'm so proud of you. You've been through so much because she was there through everything, through both of the pregnancies. Aww. Okay. So absolutely. And that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing that you were able to have the same doctor because I yeah. feel like that's another thing that's really hard when you're pregnant is like you want to kind of have like a personal connection a little bit. Mm -hmm. I feel like just because it is such a personal, you know, it's not just, I mean, nothing medical is really just medical. It's it's all yeah. personal, but but I feel like with pregnancy especially, you kind of want like you want someone that has really good bedside manner and someone that kind mm -hmm. of knows your situation and so that's amazing that you had the same one. That's that's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, just obviously a very emotional moment. Like, and the nurses were great. The labor and delivery nurses like took my phone as soon as they knew she was coming soon and like took a bunch of pictures of like her Aww. first moments and like our first moments as a family together. Oh. And obviously photos that we'll cherish forever. Like it just captures the raw and real emotions that we were feeling at that time. So I had a very positive labor experience. I know that you deserved it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> After everything you've been through. Yeah. I, I know it's not the case for a lot of people. So I'm very thankful and grateful for that experience. So yeah, overall love our daughter to death, completely obsessed with her. <laughs> of course. Why wouldn't you be? <laughs> she looks just like my husband annoyingly. So, um, <laughs> so my daughter does too. I, it's, it's a thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, Oh, she looks just like her dad. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Please point it out more. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. So I think they move you into a postpartum room shortly after they're born, maybe like a, an hour or two. Mm-hmm. So it was just my husband and I in the room when I delivered, we didn't want any family there. So as soon as they moved us to another room we started obviously letting family trickle in and kind of see her sorry just quick question did your family have any issues with that at all like was anyone like upset that you didn't want them in the labor and delivery room they might have been 
nobody said anything to me. I'm sure okay. some people felt a certain type of way, but I was pretty adamant because I knew if I had my mom, I'd have to have my husband's mom, which is fine, but I don't really want my husband's mom seeing everything. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 um, of course. And I didn't want anybody to get offended if I only had certain people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nobody said anything directly to me. I'm sure my mom probably felt a certain type of way. Yeah. But from the beginning of my pregnancy, I let people know it was just going to be me and my husband. That's smart. It's good to like lay it down ahead of time so that people kind of know what to expect. Just because I didn't have issues with that either, thankfully. But I've heard just like so many Mm -hmm. other women that like people get, you know, offended about when they want visitors, when they don't want visitors, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was just curious if that was anything that you had to deal with. Yeah, nothing crazy. So we got into the postpartum room and I thought things were going fine. I thought my daughter was laughing well. (laughs) I had no idea that that wasn't going so well. So we had a lot of feeding issues pretty early on and didn't discover it until maybe she was three or four days old. We'll do a whole nother episode about our feeding journeys and that sort of thing. But honestly, for me, the hardest part of my birthing postpartum first few days experience was not being able to go pee. Um, so oh, I got the epidural. Oh I had no clue it could like make it. So you, I mean, it, it like paralyzes you from your waist down. Right. Yeah. So I couldn't use the restroom and I was like, oh my gosh, my bladder's going to explode. And they're like, can you just try and go pee? Just, I was trying and trying. And I just felt like I had a UTI. Like I felt like I had to go and I couldn't go. So like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to put you on some antibiotics and pump you with fluids. If you do have a UTI, we'll kind of get that taken care of. And I had to call the nurse. I was like, I cannot finish that IV bag. Like my bladder is going to explode and I can't pee. And she's like, no, no, the doctor said it's fine. She said, you could take that whole bag. I was like, listen to me. I cannot (laughs) finish this bag. Um, Back to the advocating for yourself thing. Yeah. yeah. Because it was so painful. And they ended up having to straight cath me twice. um, Oh God. Post delivery and so much more painful than giving birth. Obviously, my epidural had worn off. Yeah. They're just shoving a a catheter up there with no numbing. And it was like, oh, my gosh. So they had to do it twice, both times. An insane amount of fluid came out of me. I was like, gosh, no wonder. And they wouldn't let me leave until I could pee on my own, rightfully so. (laughs) Because, you know, can't get a straight cath at home. Right. Um, So I was pretty stressed. I was like. I need to pee so I can get the heck out of here and start my life. Yeah. I ended up only staying like the normal amount of time, but I did not pee on my own until 24 hours after she was born, I think. So obviously I needed some sort of intervention for that. I just wish it didn't hurt so bad. But other than that, my only gripe is when they put me on antibiotics, obviously it's flowing into your breast milk. Nobody told me that that would affect her. So later on down the road, she's not gaining very much weight. They're like, were you ever on antibiotics while you've been breastfeeding? And I was like, yeah, the very first few days. That messed up her gut. She's not able to process the breast milk. She needs to get on probiotics. Oh my gosh. And they didn't tell you that that could happen? They didn't tell me anything. They're like, oh, we're just going to throw you on some antibiotics. Oh my gosh. That's awful. But yeah, that's kind of the extent of like, my gripes about my birth, which I guess smooth sailing for the most part, relatively speaking to some other experiences that I've heard about. No, but I mean, that's still really frustrating. Like I would, I would be pissed that they didn't like, that they failed to mention that 
just a minor this detail. Affect, yeah, no, that's, <laughs> oh my gosh. Sometimes I think healthcare workers get like, they forget that like, cause this is their everyday life. You know, mm-hmm. this is like a normal thing for them. So I think they sometimes forget that like the patient doesn't know what they know. Yeah. And it's not just like a normal everyday thing. They need to be educated and informed about everything. So that, but that's just like, that makes me really mad that they like, wouldn't tell you that. Cause that's like, yeah. That's not like a minor detail. Like that's yeah, like right. very important information to know. So wow. Oh my gosh. That must have been like really frustrating for you. It was I really, really loved my labor and delivery nurses. Mm-hmm. Did not have so much love for my postpartum nurses. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of crazy. I was kind of similar with that. Um mm-hmm. my labor and delivery nurses were incredible. Um, luckily, like my postpartum nurses weren't bad by any means, but I, they just weren't at the level of my labor and delivery yeah. nurses. Like mm-hmm. those ones went like above and beyond and they were incredible. So that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's like a common experience. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to my story and being like a safe place for me to land and telling these details. Um, I appreciate it a lot. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being willing to share. Um, I know it's like really hard to, and I know we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but it can be really hard to be vulnerable and and share that kind of stuff, especially something that's so deeply personal and and traumatizing even. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being willing to share. Um, I'm sure that anyone listening is going to feel really heard and, and related to who's gone through anything similar. And I think that's like so important and kind of the, the purpose of our, of our show is to kind of like, allow people to be vulnerable and and like show other moms that we all kind of through different experiences, we all go through like similar feelings and, and emotions. And so I'm sure that it will help people that are listening to, to have heard your story. So thank you for being willing to open up about it. Yeah, no worries. I hope it helps at least one person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure a hundred percent, but yeah. So I guess just like going into closing statements and everything. Thank you guys for listening. Anyone who's out there, we hope that you were able to kind of relate to Rachel's story here and to some of our conversations. And if you liked this video, please hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. It's going to be at raising tomorrow pod. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed our content. And um, in our next episode, I'll be kind of doing the same thing Rachel did here, just kind of going through my pregnancy and birth story. So hope to see you guys in the next video. Bye. (laughs) Bye.